All right, Lumberjacks, buckle up. This is going to be a special, special, special edition of Part Me, Alex. I don't even know where to begin, but I guess a good place to start is taking a moment to honor Eddie Sutton, who passed away. He was a amazing coach and mentor, especially to Coach Keller. Um, coach Keller was an assistant under him at OSU, and I know that he'll be missed, and Coach Keller will probably continue to honor him as he does anyway um, every season. He was a Hall of Famer. He was just inducted in 2020, so he knew he was a Hall of Famer right before he passed, which, I mean – helps, but also is still sad. So let's do a quick moment of silence for Eddie Sutton. All right. Jacqueline? Yes. (laughs) Are you alive? (laughs) Barely. (sighs) Are we alive? Hasn't been a uh, a good week for SFA athletics. <laughs> Let's just say it hasn't been a good year for everyone. That's true. <laughs> especially, yeah, especially us. But yeah, this week has been a literal, not even metaphorically, like literally a gut punch straight, straight to the stomach. Like, I don't even know. Like, I know where we're going to begin because we have our outline, but it's just, it's hard to like wrap my brain around everything. I think our initial reactions earlier this week were, excuse my French, what the fuck? (laughs) Pretty much. Um, However, I'll say there are a lot of, there's been a lot of chatter and, you know, um, things being said here and there and a lot of people who don't necessarily know the details and the facts and want to spout off stuff. So we're going to try our best to give a lot of facts and help you understand what actually happened um, and what that means yeah. for us because people go like, yeah. you know, just making these ignorant comments that you don't even know what you're talking about at all. Um, so we're going to take the record. From like other schools. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's been people from other schools writing up articles that are using terms and making kind of uh, clickbait headlines that aren't even actual facts. And it's just kind of annoying. Um, yeah. and- well, and with, even within the articles, you were t- telling me about one the other day where they said it was a 10 year period. Um, six does not equal 10. Unless you're taking yeah, math. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was an article that that ESPN uh, popped out and it said like over the past decade, which I mean, if you think about it, it was during a decade, but it didn't last a decade. Like they're making that sound like it was a 10 year period of, of miscalculations. And that's very misleading. And that's like, one of the main things I always teach my students in our communication classes is, you know, you have to look past a lot of these titles and a lot of these clickbait 
headlines because they're misleading and they're going to mislead the reader every single time. And it's just, it's absolutely annoying, but that, yeah, so that's pretty much what we're going to do the best to our ability. Obviously we're not NCAA compliance rules, regulations, eligibility experts, but we have read through the document. And every time I talk about quote unquote, air quote, the document, it is the 13 page resolution document that is on the lead, the official letter statement that the athletics department posted. Um, so this is nothing like secret. This is nothing that like we secretly obtained from anybody. Like it is public knowledge. You can go read this document as much as you want till you're blue in the face and want to throw up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've read it a few times. We've pulled out some, you know, important kind of, critical quotes from there, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I think first thing we're going to start off with is some common misconceptions and things that we're just kind of tired of hearing from just anyone and everyone. Um, So on social media, in person, you know, just hearing all these little comments left and right, where there's just no facts to back it up. I mean, you could have your opinions and that's fine, but there's no actual facts to me, I'm an, I'm a fact person. Like I'm going to run off of facts. And if there's no facts to back it up, like you're not going to convince me, like, unless there's something in my hand that literally says it word for word, and that's credible. I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to sway me, man. So. Yeah, so we're just imploring you to join us in understanding the facts of the situation before you make, you know, quick judgments and comments that, are not accurate at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of hearsay out there and that's understandable with this kind of situation, but you know, until there's literal fact, uh, you know, you can't just spread, spread lies or spread rumors about things. So go ahead, Jacqueline. I I know you have a lot to say on this point. So I do. So the first one that I want to address is there's been lots of chitter chatter that, so we'll get more into the details, but we have a totally new administration within athletics. We have a new athletic director and pretty much a whole new upper level staff. Um, so there's a lot of chitter chatter that this was a witch hunt for them trying to implicate former employees or throw them under the bus or whatever. Okay. First like of on all, purpose. for it to be a witch hunt, it, it, if there's actually something that we did wrong, that can't count as a witch hunt. A witch hunt is trying to say that people did something wrong when they did nothing wrong. But there are many proven violations that came about. So that that doesn't count as a witch hunt, number one. Number two, if a new athletic director is coming in to university, why in the world would you not check out all of the processes and procedures and how we're doing things to make sure that we're in compliance. Why the F would you not do that? I mean, it just boggles my mind. Like if you're just going to assume that the program you're taking over is completely in compliance and doing everything correctly, you're going to end up in the same situation that our current administration was in. They were assuming that people below them were doing what they were supposed to do. And they were in fact, not doing that. 
So yeah, yeah. You came in and you took over a new program and you're doing the checks and balances and making sure that things are getting done properly. And then you find out that they are not. That's not a witch hunt at all. I know you probably have comments on that point too. Just, I agree with you with hundred percent. Like, I just don't see how, how this could be defined as a witch hunt. I just, I I mean, I, I know there's, you know, opinions out there from many different people saying that like, you know, Oh, like I know these people, they're not bad people. Like I'm sure they're not. I'm sure they're not like just because you're a good person. That doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, that you're going to make all the right decisions and, you know, do everything like 100% correctly ever. Like I'm a good, I think I'm a good person. Do I do everything correctly at work all the time? Probably not. Do I get, you know, informed of that fact constantly? Probably so. And I make the necessary corrections. Like that's normal, you know? So I think the main thing about this is that just the past administration just didn't, I think they just had like this good old boy attitude where they just, you know, assumed that everyone in their department was doing their job and they didn't want to quote unquote, like air quote, micromanage the people underneath them or in the same like level as them on the organizational chart, flow chart, you know, and they're just like, I'm sure they're doing what they're doing. Keep on keeping on. And that's just to me as when I, cause I've studied organizational communication and business communication, like I get that to a point, but there's also a point where, especially once you got kind of notified in a certain time period, like in 2014, which we'll get to later, that you need to kind of clean up your, you know, system a little bit, then I don't think you should continue to do what you're doing. Like you should probably internal audit yourself and really check to make sure everyone underneath you, if you're the athletic director, is doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. I mean, I just think that a good organization should do some sort of internal auditing anyway, you know, on a annual basis at some point um, to make sure that everything is running the way that it should be running and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Otherwise, this stuff is going to happen more often than not. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, any any time in situations like this, and this is why a lot of times, whenever universities or any you know any company or organization for that matter has a higher level position come open, a lot of times they do like to hire out because it, that's a really good opportunity to go. Let's like take a step back and not just be like well, this is the way we've been doing it for 20 years. So that's why we do it that way. Cause that's not a good reason to do anything. You have to kind of step outside and look at your process and procedures and your goals and really examine where you want to be and how you want to achieve that. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole point of a new administration coming in. Hiring outside. Yeah. And really, at what what are we doing and why are we doing it this way besides we've just been doing it this way so that's that's not in any way a witch hunt no one was trying to implicate anyone personally or throw them under the bus because yeah good good people can make mistakes anybody can make mistakes it's happened anybody can make mistakes it happens um okay move it. next one we were cheating like there's a lot of people that are saying like we're cheaters we've been cheating for a decade or whatever um no, there, there was no cheating. I'm sorry. I, like, 
at no point did these athletes know that they were participating as ineligible players. Like, no. I just don't get that. I don't get how people can read the document and then assume that these student athletes knew everything that was going on. I just don't understand. Uh, There was a calculation. And to be, to be more specific and elaborate on that, a lot of people have been saying, Oh, well the players knew they weren't passing. Okay. So this is a multi-layer multi-factor equation here. It's not, not simply a pass or fail black and white thing. The NCAA uses the APR, which is the academic progress rate. And what it does is it measures a player's eligibility academic wise based on several different things. It's not just GPA. It's their GPA, the weight of their classes they're taking as far as a progress towards degree, et cetera. So basically like if a transfer student came in, they might have classes. This is where the main problem was. They had classes that counted towards their degree at their former institution, but maybe when they transferred SFA, we don't have that same degree plan. And so therefore some of those classes don't count towards whatever degree plan they select SFA, then that's going to change the APR weight because those classes don't, don't count towards progress towards degree. So to quote the NCAA here on their explanation of APR, Academic progress rate holds institutions accountable for the academic progress of their student athletes through a team-based metric. So it also compiles everyone's rating together. It's not just one individual is either eligible or ineligible. It's the accumulation of everyone together. So team-based metric that accounts for the eligibility and retention of each student athlete for each academic term. Um, So it's calculated as follows. Each student athlete receiving athletically related financial aid earns one point for staying in school and one point for being academically eligible. A team's total points are divided by points possible and then multiplied by 1,000 to equal the team's academic progress rate. And in addition to a team's current year APR, it's rolling four-year APR is also used to determine accountability. So this is a somewhat complex formula that's yeah. used to come up with long process it's not something that these students even know what the heck it is like it's not simply pass fail you know it has, there's a lot and more to it go to specific athletic academic advisors to tell them what classes they need to take right yes yes to make and they're doing well. what they're told i mean when they go yeah. and sign up for these classes like their advisors are telling them you know, well, during this time period, now I'm sure it's a lot different and there's more checks and balances. But during that time period, I'm assuming because I do the same thing with my students, you advise them, oh, here's the classes you should take, you know, in order to continue on your degree plan, et cetera, et cetera. And then they go and they sign up for those classes and then they take those classes. So, I mean, it's more than just like making an A or a B or a C or a D or failing. It's more than that. And a lot of it has to do also with all of these transfers that we've been getting from, you know, um, from junior colleges and from, you know, the different two year colleges. So it's just a lot more like Jacqueline says, a very complex equation and system. It's not just a simple, like, you know, Oh, did this person pass or fail check? Like it's a lot more than that. Very complex. And just, just the art of trying to schedule an athlete 
in their classes is way more complex than advising just a regular student because you have to take mm -hmm. into account they're going to be missing, you know, several different classes for sporting events. And so they need, and they have a, they have pretty much like a very intense work schedule off of when they practice and do all these things. So they have to build around that to classes that fit that schedule time-wise and instructors that either don't have big things scheduled on their syllabus when the peak part of the season is or things like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of consideration. Absolutely. And, and I completely like the athletic advisors we have now, I think are just fantastic because they've been, they've been working extremely hard ever since, uh, you know, Ryan Ivy and the new administration has come into play to really, you know, and especially our new compliance director, Kara, she, they've been working tirelessly without us even knowing that this was going on to make sure that all of our teams are now recertified and academically eligible to play. Um, and, and, and that's, that's another main thing that I wanted to bring up just really fast is the fact that, you know, if you read back in the document, a lot of this, you know, uh, kind of realizing this was an issue and, oh my God, this happened <clears throat> occurred in kind of mid you know, July-ish 2019 kind of time period. So, you know, we didn't know that any of this was happening last season. And so I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, you know, the Duke win doesn't count. The Duke win doesn't, like, no. They re Once they realized that this is an issue, they recertified all the players, you know, before that season started. So this past season for basketball is is fine. Um so you could just kind of leave that misconception at the door because yeah. you can just check right there before you wreck yourself. Um, and let's also make one more thing clear, even if these wins and we'll go through them here in a second, the, the, the vac, you know, the vacation of all these, uh, you know, wins and championships, just cause they're quote unquote taken away from us. That doesn't mean that they're actually like, you know, taken away from us. Like they, we will always have those wins in our hearts and in our heads. We know that we won those games. And so let's just make that clear just because they're maybe physically taken away from us and our banners will be taken down. That doesn't mean that the memories and the, you know, all the good times and all the, you know, excitement from those time periods are gone. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you said that now, because I'll I'll touch on that really quickly and echo what you said, because um, my dad and I had a conversation about this. And I just want to preface this, my opinion, by saying I'm not in any way downplaying how much this sucks for us and the players to feel like those oh, agreed. things are taken away and, you know, the banners are taken down. That totally sucks. I'm not saying that it, it doesn't matter, but what I am saying as kind of like a hopeful outlook on that to kind of make you feel better is, you know, my dad and I were talking about it and he's like, I have just never understood that punishment of having to vacate wins or strip strip titles and stuff. Because after the fact, like right now, you know, we're getting our 15 minutes of fame or infamy on this. Um, but in a month, no, no one's going to remember that these, wins were taken away from us by the NCAA, except for us. Like people from West Virginia aren't going to go, Oh, well, they were not meeting their academic standards whenever they beat us. So we actually won that game. Like, no, right. 
everyone's going to remember that we beat West Virginia because we beat them, you know? Um, so I don't know. It just is kind of an odd punishment. I'm not saying that it doesn't suck, but I'm, I'm just saying from a fan's point of view and a general public point of view, like no one's going to erase that in their mind and say, oh, well, they didn't really win. Um, the, the teams that we beat aren't going to come back and say, oh, well, we actually won those games, you know, like the whole well, Michigan yeah, like, thing. If you remember the score, like you still freaking lost, bro. Like, you know, you still yeah. lost. Yeah. Like, you know, Michigan had their whole debacle thing with the, the Fab Five and their scandal and getting their title stripped and all that stuff. But it's like none of those teams that they beat in the tournament are like, oh, well, we actually beat Michigan. No, people still remembers the wins and the, progress that Michigan made. Yeah. Is it kind of a blemish on their history? Of course. And it sucks, but it doesn't take away that they won. They won. Yeah. It's, like, it's definitely we a sure. We still have those memories and nobody can take that away. So that's what I have ah, to say about that. That's, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do back. And I just got spit all over my computer. No, but um, I, I totally agree with you. I, yes. It sucks. It's a huge black stain on the athletic department and the teams that are affected and the university as a whole. Cause now we're just gonna, man, we're going to hear it from all these different teams, you know, that we play this coming season and, you know, they're just going to let us have it, but that's fine because, you know, honestly, in my opinion, you should really check your own closet for skeletons before you come at us about ours, because there's a lot of schools out there that are probably doing, and having similar issues and they just uh, are getting away with it. They just haven't been caught yet. They haven't been caught yet. Yeah. And the ones that have gotten caught, they just need to hold their tongue um, because you're just lucky that no one has given you some sort of slap on the wrist or a punishment yet. And I am just shocked that you haven't. Um, I don't know who you have running your council and or, who's representing you or how much money you're paying, but that's just absolutely asinine, but I digress. Um, So yeah. So now for the next little bit of this segment, we're kind of going to read over some main uh, parts of the document, specifically the sanctions. We have them listed out the level one mitigated sanctions agreed upon by us and the NCAA. Um, We'll talk about those here in a second and then kind of just some major some quotes that we that you know we both kind of found and pulled out that I thought were pretty um pretty interesting to kind of talk about especially for those again who have not read the document like that's just the main thing if you really want to get a good grasp on this whole situation I you know we really kind of urge you to to read the document you know it's it's very eye-opening and enlightening and it kind of answers all of your questions for the most part that a lot of the a lot of you have been having. I mean, it's only thirteen pages for God's sakes. I mean, I, th- I think you could probably handle thirteen pages. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's get started in a second here. All right, the came in like a freaking wrecking ball. They wrecked our whole entire basketball life. And this is just the, the most egregious ones were from basketball. Um, obviously, yeah. there are, you know, effects to the 
impacting to the you know, football team and baseball team and et cetera. But the, the most egregious, you know, uh, implications and stuff came from and towards the basketball team, which of course just hurts the most because of the recent success that we've had in the past, you know, five or six years. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, you've had that success because you've been quote unquote cheating. No, for the, I, I don't, I don't know how hard it is to understand this, but at no point during any of this time period, did the coach, the players or anyone that mattered really in that kind of arena knew what was happening, except, you know, they just didn't, they just weren't aware. They did not know. I guarantee you. No one involved in the actual winning of a game was doing anything knowingly here. I'm sorry. It wasn't like the only playbooks. If you guys are actually thinking that freaking coach Underwood, who was the, probably the most like stringent, like hard ass I've ever met in my life would let players knowingly play who were ineligible that could somehow come back and bite him in the ass and take away wins. That man, have you met him? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, there's no way. There's no way. And then the same thing with coach Cal, none of these coaches knew anything. I can guarantee you like, I I know for a flippin' fact that Keller will sit people's asses and kick them off the team if possible, if necessary, or suspend them and bench them and not even let them do diddly frickin' squat for even just missing a practice. Yeah. He's done it. We've seen it. We've seen it happen multiple times. So So you think that he would let people and students and boys play on the team knowing full well of that they're ineligible. Are you kidding me? No. Like you go back to all of the times that we've, we've had multiple questions. Why, why is Keller sitting this player XYZ, whoever it is on the bench, this game, why isn't this player playing? Um, Because of stuff like that. If there was the tiniest little infraction into what he had for his level of expectation and standards for those players, they got to sit on their, but on the bench for the next game. And if or you're two, wondering, why they, yeah, why they didn't travel with the team or why aren't they here? It's because of reasons like this. Like, or, I mean, I just, I, I just don't see how a coach, a coach of this level and standard anywhere, Keller, any of these coaches, Carthel, Cardi, any of them who are, you know, division one level coaches would knowingly do this, knowing full well that it could come back and bite them in the ass. Are you kidding me? Like, that is just the most ridiculous conspiracy theory I've ever heard in my life. Like, why? If they even want to have an opportunity ever to even coach anywhere else in their career, why in the flip would they do that? Why? There's no explanation. There's none. So I'm going to need everyone, again, to check their facts at the door and assumptions that all these coaches knowingly did this, because that is absolute malarkey. Anyway, let's read the sanctions. <laughs> uh, All right. Okay. Well, so you want me to start in? <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, you can start. Okay. So level one mitigated sanctions that we agreed upon with the S- with the NCAA include three years of probation, public reprimand, and censure. 
a fine of $5,000 plus one half of 1% of the total budgets for football and men's basketball for the next season. The return of 50% of the university's financial share earned from participation in the 2016 NCAA tournament, which just to kind of recap for anyone who doesn't know, I'm sure you all do. Whenever you win games in the NCAA tournament, you get stipend amounts from the NCAA. So it's not listed here, but it was listed in one of the articles. And I think it was like 96,000 or something mm-hmm. we have to pay back. Um, 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 hold on, hold on. I have the total. Uh, Jesus. Look that up and I'll, I'll read the total, next. Total fine amount from the 2015-2016 NCAA Division One's Men's Basketball Championship. Total fine amount of 66564 That accounts for all future units to be paid on a rolling distribution schedule for their participation in that involved tournament year. Uh, okay. I yeah. thought it was nice for some reason. Um, okay, so we have the forfeiture of all records and contests, which an ineligible SFA student athlete competed, which mm-hmm. includes 29 football victories from 2013 to 2019, 117 men's basketball victories from 2014 to 2019, 112 baseball victories from 2015 to 2019, 31 softball victories from the 2018 season, and adjusted conference championship scores from women's golf, women's track and field, men's cross country, and men's track and field. Um, So the wins that we had to vacate for men's basketball are our conference championships for 2014-2015, 2015-2016, and 2017-2018, as well as the first-round win in NCAA tournament in 2016. Um, So the banner for all three of those conference championships and for that NCAA tournament win will be taken down um, from William R. Johnson. We wish we knew where these banners went. I don't know who I was talking to the other day, but they just have a feeling that the banners are just going to come down and most likely just be destroyed. I don't know if they can like put them in a... I feel uh, like they keep them in some sort of archive, maybe. Like, they I, don't know, I don't know if, they can, if, there, if there can be like any like any written banner, like even in existence, you know what I mean? Like, I think they have to literally like destroy them. I don't know. I'm just thinking back to like the the fab five documentary. It seems like at the beginning, they're kind of showing like B roll footage of like a storage room where they took down the banners and stored them or something. So I think you can still keep them. You can't. It's, it's possible. It's possible. I don't know exactly what they're doing with the banners. Would I love to have one? Yes. Will they put one in the alumni auction? Probably not. I don't know what they're, I don't know. I really don't. Can I, I don't I'm just going to go back real fast to the financial penalty. So that $5,000 plus one half of 1% budget, that's for football and baseball um, respectively. So that amount is equivalent to about 18,000 for football and 4,000 ish for baseball, just to kind of let you know about that one. Um, and then the three years probation began May 20th and will end May 19th, 2023. Um, so yeah, there's that. Okay. Um, 2.5% reduction in financial aid awards or scholarships in football for 2021 and 21 to 22. 
a 5% reduction in baseball in either the 2021 season or 21-22 season, and the loss of one men's basketball scholarship in either this coming season, 2021, or the next season, 21-22. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I don't – it didn't list it there, but we – we have to have a one-year postseason ban for men's basketball, baseball, and football. Of which, I know baseball is doing it this coming season, 2021, but men's basketball is doing it the next season, so 21 to 22. I know. I did find that interesting that they didn't list that under any of the penalties. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't listed on that one because that's kind of the one of the more major penalties, in my I opinion. Know. Yeah, um, so good. Um, we can make one quick point here, which I should have listed under the misconceptions, but we have seen some chatter on Twitter today about people saying that it's a death penalty. No, so a death penalty, yeah. you are not even allowed to have that program for X number of years or however many years. We yeah. just have a postseason ban, which means we can play the regular season, we can play our preseason games. We can play our conference games. But then as soon as the regular season is over, no matter how well we did, if we made it in the top eight to go to Katie, that doesn't happen. The postseason doesn't happen. It's not a death penalty means no basketball at all. Yeah, exactly. Football, yeah. Whatever. And, and a lot of people are saying, well, they, he put it in air quotes. I know exactly who this ma- this person is. I'm telling you right now, because I read the whole article. I read his article and I even referenced him down at the bottom when we were going to do our uh, fan questions and comments. Cause I was like, I have a comment my own um, with this bullshit uh, death penalty bull crap. Tired of hearing about it. It may feel like a death penalty for us, like physically, like, but that means no more basketball program. Like Jacqueline said, like nothing, like nada for, like you said, an X amount of years. Like that is, that is not what this is. Like we can still have a team. We can still recruit, you know, a lot of these penalties and stuff that you're reading and that we're talking about on here, a lot of these penalties were created and established um, with the with the knowledge that it doesn't affect our recruiting. It says the parties agreed, and this is a footnote. If you know what uh, Chicago is, the footnotes here says the parties agreed that recruiting restrictions were not appropriate in this case after evaluating case precedent for level one and level two certification cases and weighing the impact that I'm trying to read this. It's kind of blurry penalties and other areas have on recruiting, i.e. an extended probationary period, financial penalties and vacation of records. So they, they agreed upon, but, but then I'm, this is where it gets confused is further. The parties also agreed that a postseason penalty was not appropriate. So I don't know. I, I, it says that it was not appropriate. So I don't know why they're continuing to say that we have a postseason ban if it's not even on here. I don't know. We'll have to get clarification on that one. Um, but yeah, so this is a lot of these penalties were instituted so that there would be no effect on recruitment, no limitation on recruitment. Although we know that this may affect recruitment anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, which, you know, uh, that's un- I mean it's un- at this point it's understandable. Um, so there's also some other things real quick I want to mention that we have to do during this probation time of three years. 
Um, so we have to continue to develop and implement a comprehensive compliance and educational program to instruct coaches, the faculty, athletics representative, and all athletics department personnel and institutional staff members with responsibility for NCAA academic certification legislation. So they have to literally instruct and develop and implement a educational program for everyone pretty much that is involved with athletics and academic stuff. Um, They have to submit a preliminary report by July 15th, setting forth a schedule for establishing that program. They have to file an annual compliance report indicating progress made with this program um, during each year of probation. They have to inform all, this is important right here, listen up children, inform all prospects in all affected sports programs in writing that the institution is on probation for three years and the details of the violations committed. If a prospect takes an official paid visit, the information regarding violations, penalties, and terms of probation must be provided in advance to this visit. Otherwise, the information must be provided before a prospect signs his or her national letter of intent. So anytime someone comes to officially, you know, tour or come for an official visit to SFA in those programs affected specifically, they have to be notified in advance and or given information on before they sign their national letter of intent that all of these, that these violations were committed. Um, So any recruit that we get within the next three years has to be informed of that if they haven't been informed already. Um, So there's that. Uh, let's see here. I think, I mean, that's pretty much the kind of the meat of it for that part of it. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, another kind of a big one too. I don't know if Jacqueline, I don't know if you mentioned this, but, uh, basically any of the it says right here that head coaches with vacated wins on their records may not count the vacated wins towards specific honors or victory milestones, such as the 100th to 200th, 500th career victories. So that also sucks. Gonna have yeah. to recalculate uh, Keller's total wins now, um, which is horrible. Um, and they have, we'll to- just have to do it again. Exactly, which is fine. They just have to do it again. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, it takes – you really have to read through this this document in order to really fully understand the impact. And then also what they're doing, you know, what the athletic department has to do from now until 2023, basically. Um, and, again, this is a negotiated resolution process. I'm sure this was something that took a lot of time, a lot of – back and forth, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in order to get this done and settled. Um, You know, this is not easy, obviously, for any of us. So we just kind of have to keep calm and carry on for now, to be fair. Um, So a few other things about the postseason ban. Um, Again, as a reminder, for football and baseball, it is this coming season. Um, if for any reason football and baseball are not played because of 
Corona, uh, that the bans will not be like pushed forward. Like that'll be it is what I'm reading. Um, it's only a ban for the season that they choose. And if for some reason they don't play the season that they choose, it doesn't get like, Oh, well then just kidding. We have to push it to the next season. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm sure I will be corrected, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. So um, just keeping that in mind. Um, And of course there were other sports listed in the, in the document, you know, sports like track and field and um, let's see what were the come of the other ones, track and field, baseball, of course, um, softball, baseball, baseball. uh, Yeah. Like at the very beginning, it lines out. There's like 10 different points of time period. Um, It's also really important to know, especially when you get to the letter G where it talks about beginning in the 2013-2014 academic year and continuing through the 2018-19 academic year during that span. But it doesn't say like explicitly at what point during that span that 12 men's basketball, 16 baseball, 39 football, one men's cross country, one softball, two track, two women track and field on 105 different total occurrences competed without successfully completing the required percentage of degree requirements. Um, it doesn't say specifically at what point during that time period, you know, period. Hell, it all could have been in 2014 or 2015, 2016. You know, it doesn't say when throughout that time period, it's just, that's the time period that this investigation was covering, you know? So we don't know when these basketball players, these 12 were in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it could have been spread out through that entire time period. It could have been through two seasons or three seasons, but you know what I mean? So it's really hard to kind of nail down who exactly, you know, is at fault? Like, not at fault because they didn't know um you know it doesn't you don't really know at all it just gives you a span (laughs) and that span is 2013 2014 through 2018 2019 so we have literally no idea um and a lot of it again has to do with their you know um their percentage of degree requirements has to do with academic credit hours um yeah. So there's just a lot of, and then of course, transfers and things like that, like I said. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So one really quick thing I, I want to say before we close out this segment is just to echo on what Alex was saying about how much work basically the, the new athletic administration and compliance staff is going to have, has already had to do, first of all, to recertify every student athlete for this past season so that we were in compliance and wouldn't be punished for any of our wins this year, but also going forward for the next several years to prove our compliance with these new restrictions in the probationary period. I mean, we really need to like dial it back on the, any hate level towards them and this supposed witch hunt bullshit, because these people have worked their asses off to make sure that mm-hmm. we crossed our T's and dotted all our I's and we're doing everything correctly and we got mm-hmm. in tip top shape. And going forward, their their workload is going to be increased exponentially to ensure and prove that we're doing all these things correctly and put in new process and procedures 
to not let a mistake like this happen again. So they, they really need a lot of kudos and love for how much work they've done to, Mm -hmm. you know, mitigate any further sanctions or issues and just make us better going forward. So yeah, like not even a hundred percent, a thousand percent. I mean, here's the thing, like the director, the assistant director and person in charge of compliance, Kara, like, She's not there to be your enemy. Like she is there to literally make sure that everybody is following the rules because if not, and if she just was like, well, yeah, they've been, they've been practicing over time. So, well, you know, I'll just look the other way. She can't do that. She can't let you do that. She can't, you know, because of things like this. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't understand, you know, more people get so upset or, you know, like if there's a reason why she's there to watch and make sure that no one is going over time in practice or making sure no one is doing this or doing that. It's so that this stuff doesn't happen again or at all. Cause it's, that's her job. Like her job is compliance. And if that makes her the bad guy, so be it, because that's what she's supposed to be doing. And that's her job. So I really just hope that, you know, people kind of give her the respect that is warranted because that's a lot of work. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, how many how many sports do we have? I mean, that's a lot of work to make sure that everybody is, you know, dotting their I's and crossing their T's when it comes to compliance. And I just, you know, that's a lot to, that's a lot to do. I'm I'm sorry. That's just, and that's literally, in my opinion, the definition of being on the same team and making sure that we're all doing what we're supposed to do. Because a lot of these, I mean, I did my thesis on, NCAA violations and risk for that. And there are just, there's so many nitpicky line items and Mm -hmm. some that seem arbitrary. I'm sure that sure there was a reason for all of them at some point, but there are just so many different things that you, the coaches and the players are not going to be, I mean, there are very obvious NCAA violations, like don't pay your players and stuff like that. But there are a lot of things. (laughs) Right. Yeah not malicious or like super obviously wrong that most of the student athletes and coaches might not even be aware of. That is the point of compliance staff is to have someone to be on our, our team and make sure that we're doing all of these behind the scenes, arbitrary, super tedious line item things correctly so that we don't get in trouble. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And the reason why they call this the, you know, they call they're calling this level one mitigated two is because of, you know, the mitigating factors. There were, there were three of them. There were the prompt acknowledgement of violations, acceptance of responsibility and imposition of meaningful corrective measures, the affirmative steps to expedite final resolution of the matter and exemplary cooperation. You know, this is something, here's the deal guys. Like we didn't have to turn ourselves in, (laughs) you know, we didn't have to do, diddly squat but here's the thing right. because because we, we would have gotten yeah. caught eventually and it would have been worse though so exactly that's exactly right the fact that we we caught the mistake they turned it in and they took full responsibility for the egregious errors of the past um compliance director and academic director and the so the athletic director let's just be for real um because they're their mistakes and oversight and miscalculations because that was their job, like full on their job. If they didn't think that that was their job, then they're mistaken. We have the proof 
It's in their freaking, okay, we'll get to that in a second, but it's, it's their job. It was their job. So the reason why they're not taking responsibility for this is just asinine to me. It was their job. Whether or not they think it was their job, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, we cooperated 100% with the NCAA. And yes, the NCAA, like Jacqueline said, has a lot of like very small, stupid laws and regulations. And maybe APR is one of them at the moment. And I agree, it might be a little archaic. But at the same time, it's the law. It's the regulation. Should this stuff be changed and, you know, updated and maybe a little bit, you know, um, reconfigured to make more sense for, you know, the current sports world, maybe, but at the the same time, it's the current, it's the current bylaws. I mean, and we have to, we have to follow them. Um, If we want to participate in NCAA division one sports, we have to follow them. Although, you know, I don't know how many times I've planned to egg the NCAA office, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and then come back and kind of go back into um, some more news articles and coaches' statements and things and kind of like how we um, – other programs and stuff that were punished and things like that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. We are back. Oh, we are a little stressed out, but it's okay. We're going to keep on trucking. I hope you're still with us. We still have a bunch more to go over. This may be our longest podcast ever to date, but it's worth it because there's just a lot to digest and a lot to go through. So there's I know Jacqueline, a there's a lot. I know Jacqueline, uh, she did some research over the other uh, programs that were punished during this like kind of investigation time period. So I know she wanted to go over that real fast. So take it away, girl. Yeah. So just, just to kind of recap, we were not the only institution or programs to, to have these troubles. So just not, you know, not to justify our shortcomings on reporting this stuff, but just to say again, that it is kind of a complicated, uh, formula here to come up with this and we weren't the only ones who effed it up. So, um, but now, yeah, now we're all fixed and good, but so this is an ESPN article that I'm sure some of you have seen that names out the 15, uh, D one programs that are getting the postseason bans over these APR scores or lack thereof. Um, so here's just the little laundry list of everyone else who's getting punished along with us. Um, we have Alabama A&M men's basketball, men's track, and women's soccer. Alabama State men's basketball. Coppin State women's track. Delaware State men's basketball. Grambling State men's track. Howard football. McNeese State football, which we'll talk more about. Um, Prairie View A&M football. Southern University men's cross country and men's track. And then us, of course, with the baseball, football, and men's basketball. Um, so there's your 15 total D1 programs who also postseason bans. Yeah. And it's, you know, and the reason obviously why we are getting most of the heat is because not only are there three different programs, so football, basketball, and baseball that had the majority of the issues, but obviously because of our recent success, you know, obviously Alabama A&M basketball track and soccer. I mean, that's three different programs from their school as well, but I'm not saying Alabama A&M didn't have any, you know, 
wins or success, but we've just been in the spotlight more recently, I feel like. And so that's, that's why we're getting the brunt of, yeah. Um, I did say, I did notice that on this article that you found, um, it does say that it's unclear when the postseason ban needs to be served, but it, I was like, no, they're, they already decided in 2021, 22. I just don't, um, but I will give them props for saying that Lumberjacks were one of the best mid-majors in the country last season. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would argue that we were the best mid-major. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate their, uh, their little nod to us, but yeah. Anyway, crazy. That's a lot of schools, man. It is, it is a lot. And um, the only kind of interesting thing, well, no, never mind. I'll say, I'll save that for later. And I, the family question. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so do we want to kind of go more into McNeese real fast? Did you want to talk about McNeese? No, I'm going to talk about that in the in the fan questions because Jan asked a question about that. So yeah, okay, okay, yeah. All right, so um, yeah, so obviously we saw the statement from Ryan Ivy come out, and which also included the negotiated resolution, the whole case synopsis, um, which we kind of read from earlier, that 13 page document, like the document. Um, Just a few things I wanted to kind of pull out of the document that we didn't talk about in the first segment. Um, The first one being, and these are all direct quotes, like direct quote, it said concerned that the institution had potential systemic issues concerning academic certification, the compliance director, the current one, contacted NCAA enforcement staff in July, 2019. Okay. This was almost a year ago people. Okay. So this has been going, this has been like an issue, not an issue, but this has been like behind the scenes happening for almost a year trying to figure everything out and get everybody in compliance. So like this was happening way before season even started. The enforcement staff advised her to recertify all current student athletes to ensure their eligibility to compete in the upcoming 20 or 19 to 20 academic year, which they did. Following the recertification, the institution advised multiple student athletes to enroll in additional academic credit courses during the summer to make up for progress toward degree deficiencies and sought progress toward degree waivers for other student athletes. So they did exactly what they needed to do at that point exactly what the NCAA told them to do in which the students and the academic advisors and the compliance director did. So that's very important to understand. Like as soon as they figured all this out of in last year's time period, they immediately started making corrections. Okay. Um, Another thing to mention is, and uh, Jacqueline, I know we kind of talked about this before was, um, the former academics director and the former compliance director. These two individuals, um, they're obviously one is gone from the university because they, they retired. The other is actually currently still at the school working in the business kind of department. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. Sports marketing. Sports marketing. Yeah, uh, yeah, professor yeah. Of sports marketing. Correct. Okay. So the thing is, is that the former academics director had a long and strong reputation in the academics advising community. 
This person held board positions on national membership organizations and instructed his staff about the importance of following NCAA rules. Okay. So this academics director's job was, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. Like this is not something that they were just thrown into this position. Okay. Keep that in mind. Also the, in 2017, I'm just going to, I'm just going to quickly bring this up. Okay. Found a news article from 2017 where the current at that time, athletics director, Robert Hill gave promotions to the athletic department administration, five different support staff members got promotions. Okay. The senior associate athletic director for compliance, Matt Fenley was one of them. Okay. Just want to note that he was in multiple different committees. Okay. He participated on different campus committees is a three time member ready for this at this time was a three-time member of the Southland Conference Compliance Committee. And he currently sat, and this was on 2017, and this is another kicker, I'm sorry, currently sat on the NCAA Progress Toward Degree Waiver Committee. I mean, what? Those committees, for me, is like a nail in the coffin. Like, you literally sat on an NCAA progress toward degree waiver committee during that time in 2017. And you mean to tell me that we weren't doing it correctly. Correct. Like like that's a big eep is right. Like oof. And a member of the Southland conference compliance committee for three different, three different times. I mean, I just also, I'm not to like throw some shade or dirty laundry toward that school down South, but he was, he came to SFA in 1990 after serving nine years as assistant athletics director at Sam Houston state. So you might want to check back in your record, Sam Houston, (laughs) make sure your stuff was uh, correct during that time period. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't, I just don't get that main thing. I mean, his, it says right here in his 27th year with SFA athletics in 2017 to 18 for now, like as his new promotion, it says he is responsible. Like this is a direct quote from the SFA athletics news, like article in 2017. He is responsible for ensuring SFA's compliance with all NCAA and Southland conference rules and guidelines, end quote. That was his job. That was his job. Okay. That's not the only thing. The next person, Rob McDermott. Okay. He received the promotion in 2017 to associate athletic director for academic affairs. He oversees academic support, financial aid, and continuing eligibility. Eligibility. And he came from Lamar in Beaumont as a academic specialist in Beaumont. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just going to continue here. He also spent six years before he graduated at Ohio state. My, one of my favorite schools, Ohio state, 
where he was assistant academic resource coordinator in the student athlete support services office. So he knows. Again, these two individuals, they have been around and they should know their jobs. They should know what they're supposed to be doing. They've been doing this for a long time. A long time. So that's my thing is I just, you know, those committees, the amount of years of experience, I just, I just don't, I just don't get where the lapse in judgment happened and where they didn't think to check because back in 2014, here was when the NCAA, the performance plan data review happened, the academic performance plan data review. So during the investigation, again, direct quote from the 13-page document, the institution discovered and disclosed to the enforcement staff the results of the 2014 NCAA Academic Performance Plan, the APP. That review by the NCAA Academic and Membership Affairs staff did not indicate any specific systemic problems with the then academic certification process. So even the NCAA was like, okay, you're doing things okay, but... The academic and membership affairs support final report provided to the institution did note that the institution did not adequately consider degree applicability in its academic certification process in previous years. The academic membership affairs staff directed the institution to update its policies and procedures to, quote, more clearly define the progress toward degree requirements that need to be met and specify the need to use degree applicable versus total hours going into the fifth full-time term. And more clearly identify the individuals involved in the certification process, their roles in the process, etc. Okay. I, I, Jack, I don't know. I just... Yes, they didn't say specifically what needed to be like there was ooh, like this is the issue, but they did stay like you need to clear up and clearly define this process, like these requirements that need to be met and specify who is in charge of doing this. I, I yeah, so to speak on that for a moment. So I and this is where I do get frustrated with NCAA because a lot of times like I well, Alex, and I had a sidebar about this during our break, but um, there are just so many different tedious line items that the NCAA has um, outside of just like the obvious glaring violations of like paying your players and stuff like that. There's so many different little tedious nitpicky things that are not in any way malicious or that you wouldn't even knowingly be breaking the rules. Um, So in, in that aspect, Yes, obviously, the responsibility for overseeing all of this stuff does ultimately fall on the compliance officer. Um, but at the same time, they it's not even humanly possible for them to micromanage every single um, aspect of an athlete's involvement on campus to make sure that we're in compliance. That is why there are people beneath them in Absolutely. these different Vectors that make up the bigger parts of where we could have violations. One of the main ones being academics. Um, so that academics coordinator is responsible for computing these APRs and making sure that we're in compliance. And the compliance officer 
I can't even physically go through and check every single one of those. Should they be ultimately responsible for overseeing them? Yes. But that yeah. goes back to the point of just kind of, it was kind of almost like a good boy mentality of like, everyone's been here forever. We're serving on all these committees. We know our stuff. So of course we're doing it correctly, but of course we weren't doing it correctly. So, um, so by not looking into these things further and just assuming that the, the leadership in place was handling business, well, they weren't. Um, they weren't. So, yeah. And, I mean, again, that's why I go back to my statement of like, it wasn't a witch hunt, but we're coming in and it's like, yeah, these people have all of this experience, years of experience in serving on committees, but does it mean that they're not capable? It's not anything personal, but are they capable of making a mistake? Yes, of course they are. And that's why yeah. if you're going to take responsibility of an institution's program, then you want to be damn sure that you check everything and you go back through and make sure and evaluate the processes and procedures that are in place and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. And in doing that, they realized that what we were doing was not guaranteeing that we were up to snuff, so to say. Um, yeah. I so mean, it's, it's very, very, very disappointing. And some, some of the things that, that are talked about in one of the articles as so anyway, and so I guess back to circle back and land the plane where I started was a lot of times NCAA is not overly specific. It's like they almost kind of want. They almost want you to mess up. Yeah. For you to mess up because it's like, well, you know, you're not completely doing everything that you should, but we're not going to tell you exactly what you should be doing. But, you know, you should probably just look at it. But the problem is we dropped the ball on even trying to look at it. Like we were told, yeah. hey, your standards aren't necessarily strong enough. Maybe you should kind of reevaluate those and not, mm -hmm. nothing happened. And then it, it comes about it, six it years is, later that, yeah. that we're in the wrong and we weren't doing it correctly. Um, and they say so, like the institution agreed it did not adequately control this element of its athletics program. And and they're right. They, they, they didn't, they didn't control that part as, as well as they should have been. And, you know, and it may go back to the fact that it's possible that, these gentlemen were overworked, but they didn't acknowledge that they were at the time. I mean, going back and reading their interviews in this document, it talked about how um, neither indicated any concern for their certification system during their tenure and expressed surprise that so many student athletes competed while academically ineligible. Although the former academics director acknowledged he had a significant workload, while in his former position, he did not express to the institution or enforcement staff any concerns with his ability to perform his duties effectively. But I mean, we found where it wrote in the document all of his duties. I mean, if I know Jacqueline had it a minute ago, I don't know if she still has it, but I yeah, mean, it says in addition to those compliance responsibilities and leading academic services, the former academic director oversaw moderately sized staff, performed academic certification for all current prospective student athletes awarded and tracked financial aid for all student athletes and taught several classes on campus. But I do want to point out the teaching several classes on campus, like that's outside of and unrelated to being academics director. So yeah. if, if you're taking on also teaching classes in addition to your primary role, then you really better make sure that you're doing your first job correctly. Uh, but that, uh, well, hundred percent, because I will tell you like firsthand that, you know, one semester, a couple semesters ago, I mean, I had, I don't know how many classes this man Rob taught, but I, I mean, I was teaching at one point like eight classes 
And that was a lot of classes. I know that the usual like workload at SFA, like full time, I think is like four classes or so. So even if teaching four classes, that's a lot of classes for, especially in business marketing, having to keep up with that. And then on top of it, teach, not teach, but be in charge of financial aid for student athletes, be in charge of academic eligibility, be in charge of the staff underneath you. I mean, that's just to say that he had a heavy workload is an understatement. And I mean, and I understand he probably thought he could have probably handled it, but I don't even think two people could have. <laughs> I mean, that's just a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, I it's sometimes. A lot. And if, if you're gonna, just like I said, if you're, I'm not, I'm not discounting that that was a lot, but if you're going to take on that much, then you got to make sure that your, your primary shit's getting done and Absolutely. like 100%. Express, express some need for help if you need it. Cause obviously. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you start. That's where you start like realizing, Oh wow. I do have a lot on my plate, you know, uh, probably should, um, I don't know, maybe start, you know, delegating some work and, assigning people different things, you know, that's on my plate, delegation, delegation. I mean, I know that sometimes I have issues with doing that because you may not, you know, you want to have complete and utter control over everything that you do and that you put out. But at the same time, though, I mean, obviously, you still didn't because there were still mistakes, you know, and it's just, it's hard for me to be 100% empathetic towards the past regime. I just can't, I, you know, it's, it falls on their shoulders. It, I mean, it, it's their responsibility, but now like this current regime is having to, you know, pick up the slack and take the brunt of it. And especially those student athletes who are just here this first year who had zero to do with any of this are the ones who are, you know, really suffering for the next couple years you know, these, the kind of kickbacks and retribution because of it. And it's just kind of sad, you know, I'm, I'm mainly, at first I was mad and upset and like pissed off. And now I'm just like sad for them, you know, because it doesn't necessarily affect me in my life other than the fact that I'm a big SFA person and, you know, so are you, and we're both heavily involved with SFA. And so it just, it just kind of, You know, it yeah. sucks. It sucks. Um, it just sucks. There's also a laundry list of all the SFASU's corrective actions since all of this happened. Um, things that they're doing to ensure that this doesn't happen again, basically. Um, I mean, there's what? Six of them? Six different things? There's one... Institutions president authorized hiring an assistant university registrar athletic certification officer who assumed primary certification responsibility and responsibility for verifying student data for athletes, including enrollment, registration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the president then overhauled the intercollegiate athletes council, strengthened its bylaws, formed subcommittees that include academic progress, integrity, compliance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's why I'm so, so glad that we have a new president whose background is very heavily in athletics. I mean, Baker Batillo's was too, but I'm sorry, like Baker was at this institution for how long and um, kind of just let this go. I mean, yeah. 
And a lot of shit has changed since Baker was in athletics. Yes, exactly. A lot that of was cast. Exactly. Um, next, the institution's athletics and academic advisors have been notified of and educated of their responsibility of tracking eligibility to their student-student athletes um, and bringing issues to attention in those certification meetings. So now they're completely educated on that fact. Um, even if they don't have to be, they are now. Institution. <laughs> Yeah, right. The institution restructured the academic certification process for continuing eligibility. Meetings are now compromised or uh, comprised, not compromised, comprised of the following individuals, athletic compliance, athletic academic and institution certifying official. The institution created a determination of eligibility form for each type of transfer. So they also included transfer stuff to guide athletics, academic services through evaluating the transfer eligibility. So that's important because a main... Obviously, who was the eligibility of transfers. Um, The institution enhanced rules education for all staff members concerning academic eligibility for incoming and continuing student athletes. So even staff members are aware of this, too. So, I mean, top down type of institutional change. And the institution hired a second compliance office staff member to focus on specifically rules education of and for the athletics department and all external constituents. So just to kind of, in conclusion, summarize all all of those points, Alex went over and back to what we were saying about the new staff. So whenever they came in and examined the processes and procedures we had and realized that, oops, there's a major problem here, um, they basically took huge proactive measures by contacting the NCAA and telling them that we had a problem. They um, went to President Gordon and said, you know, we have an issue. Can we hire outside counsel um, like as a consultant type basis to help us figure this out and address the problem? Um, Completely revamped the way that we were doing it and the way that we will do it going forward, Um, Mm -hmm. as well as all the work they did to, because since the guidelines we were using were not strong enough to actually guarantee that we were going to meet the the APR score that we had to, they completely went through and recertified every single student athlete we had in all sports Mm -hmm. to make damn sure that we were meeting the rules and that we were all good and clean for this past season. So, um, there's been a lot of work going on in the background that we're, we're just now finding out. Um, all these punishments that were agreed upon and mitigated, but there's been a whole, basically a whole year's worth of work to completely revamp it and address it. So um, not, not a reactionary thing with the new um, administration, very proactive and trying to make sure that, you know, by the time they inform us of what happened in the past, it's already, already revamped and fixed going forward to, try to do our best to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So absolutely. And I mean, and we've been in communication, I mean, just on like social media with people from the athletics department and like, and I mean, even if you're on social media and Twitter, like you'll see that the entire athletics department is 100% all on the same team and all on the same page. I mean, their entire charge from the beginning of all of them coming in under Ivy from the beginning has been culture change. And that is something that we want to make super clear with everyone listening is that they have from the very beginning, since Ryan came and the entire new regime took over, 
has been culture change. And you've even heard that from like Coach Carthel. He's tweeted that and like posted that on social media and even said it during press conferences so many times. And you can see that his culture change is working. I mean, they just posted a like the highest GPA semester that they've had in, in, in years, in years. I mean, when he came in, the GPA was like two point something crap disaster. It was horrible for football. And now, I mean, they're at their whole team GPA was like a three point something. I mean, they raised it, the average GPA um, exponentially. I mean, you can tell that the culture is changing and I mean, integrity is the forefront of that. And they want to make this clear is integrity is the utmost importance to the athletics department. Um, It was found, it was reported, it was fixed. And I mean, they should honestly hold themselves, head their heads high for this because they've, I mean, now they're taking on a bunch of crap and they're taking on a bunch of, a bunch of yes from people on social media. And I'm sure in other areas too, I'm sure they're getting just ridiculous direct messages and private messages on the university and athletics pages, um, you know, I'm sure being called every name in the book, but it's one of those things that we just have to continue. Like I've mentioned before, like keep calm and carrying on. Like we can't lose our heads about it. I know that there's a lot of times, like even on Twitter or social media, I've wanted to just absolutely go off. And I did one time and I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Tired of people making assumptions of what's going on without even reading the document. I'm sorry. Like I'm not going to, you know what? No, I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm tired of people making assumptions and not doing the research. Like this is something I talk to my students about all the time. I can't stand when people make assumptions and or make statements and yet have done zero research to back up their story and back up their support. Like, I'm sorry, I can't stand it. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. And it's one of those things where I'm not going to make assumptions or assume things because A, it makes an ass out of you and me. I love that saying. I say it to my classes all the time. Um, and they're just, they're better and moving forward from it. Like they don't want this to be like the looming thing over their heads for the next three years, even though it will be kind of in a way because it has to be posted everywhere, unfortunately. Um, but it's one of those things where I'm pretty sure any single person at the athletics department will have a wonderful conversation with you. If you want to know more about it, um, if you want to know what's going on. Ryan Ivey has done numerous appearances on different um, talk shows and radios talking about it. So, I mean, at any point, at any point, if you guys want to have a conversation about it, you can with them because and Ryan's on Twitter all the time, like just at him yeah. and he will at him. He will be happy to answer whatever questions you have. Um, and the last comment that I'll make to kind of wrap up, this whole section of combo is just, again, I just want to reiterate that it's not been any kind of witch hunt or nothing personal from the new administration. Like I I knew Matt and not saying either one of them were bad guys because they're not. And so I don't know responsibility to do this. Yes. And did it not get done? Yes. But does that mean that they're bad people or that we should be giving them hate? No. But at the same time, the new administration shouldn't get any hate because the whole point, like Alex said, of the culture change is when you when you come in to a university that's had the same administration for 
so many years, you know that there's going to be a level of complacency and a level of just, well, why do you do things this way? Well, because that's the way we've always done it. Well, maybe the way that you've always done it, obviously at some point in time, there was a very good reason and maybe that was the best way, but things change and things evolve. And NCAA adds new restrictions and rules and regulations every single year. It's a constantly evolving set of guidelines that you have to abide by. And so if you even for one year get stuck in the, well, this is the way we've always done it mindset, you're going to end up getting caught with your pants down. So you have to come in and say on every single line item, well, why do you do it this way? And it's not anything personal. It's not anything against anyone. It's just, what is the reason that you do it this way? And if it's a good reason and it keeps up with where things are now, then let's keep doing it that way. But if things have changed and evolved and there's a more efficient, better way for us to be successful, then let's do it that way. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, and we'll end it with this. There's a famous quote by Henry Ford. Okay. Famous quote by Henry Ford. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. The end. I love that quote. I love that quote too. I mean, it, it, it completely, totally summarizes what this, not like what this entire thing's about, but just like the fact of everything that you just said. I mean, you keep doing what you've been doing complacency, good old boy mentality, no checks and balances, no micromanage. I mean, I understand people don't like to be micromanaged. I don't like to be micromanaged, but at some point, like you do have to at least check your people that are working under you and just being like, Hey, everything going good. Like, let me check and make sure everything's doing what we're supposed to be doing. Internal auditing yourself. Like I mentioned in the very beginning, like if you don't do that at all, at any point, like there's going to be issues that spring up. I mean, that's just how it is. So All right, so we're going to go ahead and take one more break and then come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about other university issues and punishments that have happened in the past where nothing's happened to them. And apparently we're just being being made scapegoats and (laughs) being made an example of. Um, And then we're also going to kind of touch on a few other um, fan questions and comments about this institution. And then where do we go from here, basically? Like, what can we do as fans, as alumni, as just everyday lovers of the game to help support the institution and the athletics department going forward, basically. So stick around, be right back. Hey, Jack fans, we're back. So (laughs) uh, we're going to continue on this quest of the insane situation that we're in, um, but we're going to, try to start moving forward into the sunlight, into (laughs) the new beginning. But before we do that, though, Jacqueline definitely, she did some research here. And I'm going to say, like, I'm going to tip my hat, tipping my hat to her. Uh, She went back and she definitely found some other university issues and uh, NCAA infractions that went totally bullshit bullshit and how I think personally that NCAA wanted to make an example out of SFA and literally just like chop our head off in (laughs) it wasn't the death penalty but it was damn sure enough to you know make us suffer for a few years here so 
Um, take it away, partner in crime. So this stemmed from a conversation between my dad and I, um, cause we were t- just talking about how, and I can't remember this, the smaller university that, that he cited, but it was pretty recent a few years ago that another universe, smaller university had some issues and were completely proactive and came to the NCAA about it and ended up just getting you know, completely demolished on their wow. punishment. Yeah. did, But yet then there are all these huge universities in, in the arena of college basketball that do all kinds of ridiculous shit and get no punishment whatsoever. Um, and the main one that he and I discussed, which was also the main one that I saw people chattering about on Twitter was UNC. Um, so I, I'm going to go into that one. And then I, I have, Another kind of random one that I I went and looked up and have some details on. So UNC, uh, University of North Carolina, had a huge scandal over fake classes. Literally, in this little debacle of theirs, they had 200 classes that were in question that were basically pretty much fake classes to get um, credit for their athletes. So this is, these are quotes taken directly from articles about this. Um, university new standards, protocols, and rules to prevent misadministration within academic departments in the future. And as a result, they exited probation and regained full standing by June 2016. The NCAA completed their own investigation in October of 2017. And this is where they, they barely got away on like a minor whatever between the loophole, you know, um, the NCAA found no violation of its rules, largely due to the fact that the NCAA does not have oversight authority for university academic programs. Okay. So what happened was in October of 2014, this report was released reporting that for 18 years, 18 years, at least 3,100 students took non-existent classes And in October of 2017, the NCAA announced that they would not levy any penalties because they could not conclude that the University of North Carolina violated NCAA academic rules. So equals no punishment. Why, you ask? Dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. So here's my supporting. Benjamin Payton. Of. There, there's there's two things to this. The NCAA, if, if you have enough money to spend to fight it, they're just going to give up. And if you're a UNC, that why would they want to give UNC a postseason ban and take away one of the main programs from a tournament that they make money off of how many people watch it? Why would they want to take them out? Um, so the university aggressively fought the NCAA's efforts over like a four-year period um, to assert authority in the case, and they spent roughly $18 million on legal and other fees. Um, and then from this quote is from the New York Times article about it. In a ruling that caused head scratching everywhere except Chapel Hill, NCAA announced on Friday that it could not punish the university or its athletics program because 
these classes were not available exclusively to athletes. Other students in North Carolina had access to the fraudulent classes too. So it's like, oh, well, we know that you had fake classes, but since not only the athletes could take them, any student could take these fake classes, then we can't punish you because it wasn't exclusively for athletes. Wow. Yeah. I'm, that is insane. It says right here, the NCAA policy is clear. The NCAA defers to its member schools to determine whether academic fraud occurred. And ultimately, the panel is bound to making decisions within the rules set by the membership. Um, it says right here that in the conference call with reporters, the uh, Stankley, whoever Stankley was, um, who who's, I don't even know, uh, Gray, the commissioner for, oh, the, uh, blah, 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 commissioner of the Southeastern Conference and leader of infractions panel says that he said that it is more than more likely than not that the classes had been set up to keep athletes eligible. But he also said that the evidence put forth before the committee did not prove so definitively. Oh my God. Yeah. Because they kept them open where anyone could take them. Wow. Yes. BS. BS. And because they spent a shitload of money fighting the NCAA for years, they just gave it up and said, oh, well, we, we can't prove that you did anything wrong. The report um, a woeful lack of oversight and a culture that confused academic freedom with lack of accountability. Wow. It so says I, about half of those 188 faux classes were athletes. I just... Yeah. It says, it says also university employees were aware of the fraud and actively steered athletes and other struggling students to those courses. Huh. Yeah. Just, that is insanity. Pretty mind-boggling. Um, very frustrating. So my, my other example that I'm going to give you here, I, I literally just named this one Cal Perry because um, he drives me nuts. But um, and this is all about him at different institutions. So, and if you Google like NCAA scandal, there's an article I found that was like top twenty five um NCAA scandals, and this one's on there. Um, and it involves Calipari, but he's in several different you know issues. Anyway, Memphis SAT scandal in two thousand eight. So it came to light that an unidentified player paid someone to take their SAT for him after he failed to earn a qualifying score. And it's been widely speculated that the player's former point guard, Derek Rose, um, don't know for sure that it's him, but anyway, someone paid another person to take their SAT. Um, allegations did not come to light until the following season. Rose left for the NBA and Calipari moved on to Kentucky. And this was the second time that Calipari left a school before allegations had come out about his program. Um, then of course he went to Kentucky, which Kentucky just equals one and done in my mind. Um, at me if yeah. you disagree. Um, so, <laughs> that's all I have to say about that one. Ooh. <laughs> I love which you. They, they, did actually, they did actually get punished, but my point was just more so that wherever yeah. Cal Perry goes, there's there's, there's issues. So. There's yeah, there's issues for sure. I just, uh, this whole, this whole, the Chapel Hill, you know, the UNC one, honestly, is just absolute, that's just bullcock, like just absolute bullcocky to me. Like, I just don't, I just cannot believe that the NCAA was like, well, you know, just like dragging its feet. Like, well, since, you know, technically our job isn't to look at university classes, you know, did it, 
no, like that makes absolutely no sense to me. Just does does not make any sense whatsoever. I mean, you're talking about a fraud faux class that was created. I mean, even though it was a real class, quote unquote, but it was a bullshit class that was created with the dual purpose of athletes taking it so that they could pass it with an A to make it easier and keep them eligible. Like that is the definition of unethical. That's the definition of cheating in my opinion, but not too. like at least the classes that we took were real. <laughs> I mean, they were not made up classes and it had nothing right. to do with whether or not they passed or failed a class. Oh my God. Yeah. Agree. Absolutely. Um, that is so there's just- my to the NCAA. Just the arbitrary enforcement of their arbitrary regulations, but whatever. Um, So on to our fan questions and comments section. Um, So I I said I would touch on this later because we did have a question about it, but um, Jan messaged us and asked about McNeese football. Um, So in my looking for articles and on their website news, all I could find was, because they were listed, as you'll remember, on the list of the 15 programs um, who didn't meet the APR. And got punished. Um, all I could find that they cited that they got punished with was the postseason ban. I did not see anything about fines or vacated wins um, at all. And, just another interesting side point. Um, they made their announcement in December of 2019. So I don't, I don't understand why their announcement was so much earlier than ours. Um, the only, you know, we would have to ask Ryan Ivy that question. That would be a good question for him. But the only speculation that I can make is that since we were doing so much proactive work behind the scenes, that maybe we were still mitigating what our eventual punishment was. And that's why it wasn't announced till later. That's the only thing yeah. I can think of. Um, it may just because also that it was just merely just APR was not up to snuff and there was nothing like else, like a longer investigation into miscalculation of the APR. It's just like flat out their APR. They just did horrible. You know what I mean? Like that's, that might've been yeah, what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't like there was infractions. Like it was just an academic like you suck academically. There's no, you know what I mean? Like there's no like miscalculation. Like you just suck academically. So here's your postseason ban. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Could be. It could be that. Um, do you want to go along with that? Like, I just want to remember and reiterate the fact that a lot of these schools should definitely, and I mentioned this earlier, make sure there are no skeletons in their closet with NCAA infractions or bans or issues before they start coming to our throats because there are plenty of schools, even within our conference that have had issues in the past. Um, And Nichols is one of them. Nichols is one of them. In 2005, there was an article on ESPN that stated uh, the Nichols State University will be on probation for four years, four years after the NCAA concluded an academic advisor and assistant football coach did correspondence coursework for more than two dozen student athletes. Okay. The NCAA accepted the university's proposed penalties, which included forfeiting football and volleyball victories and cutting the maximum numbers of football and basketball scholarships, but added a year to the three-year probation suggested by Nichols officials. 
Um, and of course, the university said there's only one side to today's story, and that is Nichols State University and the NCAA are on the same page. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, the case involved 24 football players and would-be player a would-be player and a basketball player, two basketball players. I mean, so former employees, the head basketball coach, assistant football coach, and an academic advisor were, were the ones that were implicated in this. So, again, <laughs> let's make sure that before you start coming for us on social media that, oh, we're cheaters, quote, blah, 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 like you guys did all this, blah, 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 that your skeleton-free closet is skeleton-free. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just, you know, obviously, obviously this was a big deal at that time in 2005. Like, yeah, obvi- okay, yes, 2005 was, what, 15 years ago? But still, but still, like, you've done stuff as well that you've gotten in trouble with the NCAA that may or may not have, you know, affected your school for an X amount of time and years. But, you know, that doesn't mean that gives you the right to come for us when we have similar issues. You know, just knock it off. <laughs> yeah, the, the irony is going to be overwhelming if, if anything comes back on them. That's all I got to say. Well, absolutely. 1,000%. I agree. Bitch. Yes. All right. Um, next fan thing um, was on Twitter at Pilot Girl. She said, fans are ready to support. What should they do? Okay, well, we're going to mention that in a minute. So just hold on for that. Fans are ready to support, which I love that. And we are too. Um, and so we'll talk about that in a second. So just hang on tight for that one. Next one was from Twitter as well. Renell, he said, how long will it take Ressa to recover from this one? Um, it's really, I mean, it's unsure. Like, I don't think this is something that we can't just like come back from. Yeah. It sucks right now. It's going to be hard to get over it and move on. Um, I know a lot of SFA fans are extremely like embarrassed and they're very upset that this happened. And believe me, we are too. Like we're upset. We're embarrassed. We think this is just, you know, it, it hurts our hearts and it hurts our little lumberjack hearts, but we have to know that the current academic or the current just administrative regime over in athletics is moving forward and changing the culture that has been in place for so many years where this won't happen again. And I think that that is a positive note and that we should continue to support the university. I, I mean, I've seen people on Twitter that have been, you know, like this has reinvigorated my love for my school because they're, you know, they're, they're falling on the sword and they're taking their weapons and we're going to move on. And this is something that I think all of us should really kind of, you know, give them a standing ovation for, for being ethical enough to be like, look, we found all this bull crap. Here's, here's what happened in the past. We're sorry. It's not going to happen again. You know, like let's move forward. Let's take our lickens and move on. And so I think that, you know, honestly, for me, something else is going to happen in the news. <laughs> I'm sure this year, sports-wise, that's going to just overshadow this because 2020 has just been a clusterfuck of a year anyway. So I think in a few weeks, something else is going to occur and they're going to forget all about little SFA over in East Texas and their issues with the NCAA. Something else is going to happen and the heat will be off us for now. 
you know, and we just yeah, kind of I, know, I, I couldn't on. agree more. Honestly, for me, I'm like, I was upset more than anyone when this all first came out, you know, Alex and I both. Um, but I'm going to just go ahead and say I, I'm already recovered because just yeah. from what Alex we've we found this out. It's like gut wrenching news. But the good thing is we know that there have already been almost a year's worth of proactive work to rectify this and move forward and move on. Mm-hmm. And I have the utmost confidence in our administration and, and what they're doing now all the way from the president down. So I'm yes. recovered. Like we're, yeah. we're moving forward, upward and onwards. It is only going to get better from here. Did it suck? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, well. I'm not going to lie. It's going to sting just a smidge when we get back into our William R. Johnson. And then you look up and those banners are gone. I'm going to be like stung again for just a moment, but then I'm going to be reinvigorated for the fact that there are, and this kind of like, rolls into another question that someone had um, on Twitter. David, he said, why didn't men's basketball serve their postseason ban this season coming up? Quite frankly, it's most likely because there are a handful of students, athletes and seniors on that team that had nothing to do with this. And they want those student athletes and those seniors to get their senior season and to wreck shop. Okay. And they deserve that. So I'm a I have a feeling that the majority of that reason is because of that, is that they want those seniors to have this season to basically put a metaphorical or literal double bird finger up to everybody saying, like, we deserve recognition. We deserve all the accolades that are coming to us from this past season in 2019-2020 and this occurring upcoming season, and that everything we did last season was legitimate and you know, everything that we did from here, from then on has been, has been on the up and up. So, yeah. That's- well, also piggybacking off of that, I, I feel like it's, it's more of a full transparency thing for recruits because we are, we've already signed recruits for this upcoming season who yeah. it, it would, it would almost be like not not purposely, but almost like kind of a dishonest trade with them by signing athletes and in hopes of having a postseason run. And then after they've already signed, find out goods not as offered. Now you don't even have a chance <laughs> of postseason. Whereas if we push it to the next season, then those incoming recruits will know your first season with us, we don't have a chance at postseason. But then moving forward, you know, business as usual. So it is kind of more transparent to the, to the recruits coming in. Cause we've already signed kids who didn't, didn't know that this was the case. Absolutely. Agreed. A hundred percent. And, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier in the previous segment, I mean, every recruit um, coming for those sports affected from now on has to be notified of that point and has, I mean, we're going to be transparent about it. Um, so it's not like they're coming in blinded and then whenever they come to SFA, their blindfold gets ripped off and they're like, just kidding. Guess what? No postseason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would just be unfair. So, um, you know, and not to say that this is one of the reasons why football's deciding to do it now. I just think that Carthel is still building his team and so not saying that we don't have a chance to make it postseason this season for football. There's always a chance of that. Not saying that, not saying that at all. Um, but I think that there is a higher likelihood of 
postseasons coming in the future, you know, down the yeah. road. Because that's what Carthel is building up right now in his program. Um, does that mean that, you know, all the wins we have that happened this season for football and basketball, you know, for especially football, since they don't have postseason, um, you know, could they run the gamut in the Southland and win every single game and technically unofficially, quote unquote, be Southland Conference champions? Yeah, but, you know, they won't get to go to postseason. But I mean... You know what I'm saying? Like, just because, but I feel like that's the reason why that basketball's taking theirs, not this upcoming, but the one after, and then baseball and soft and football are doing it now. Get it out of the way, serve it, you know, and just continue trucking. Um, next question, Twitter from Aaron. It's kind of a doozy. Um, will we ever know if this was done intentionally from the past admin or was it really just a mistake? Um, we kind of, again, touched on this before. I just, I just don't think it was like intentionally maliciously done. Um, no, not at all. Like I said, I, I know Matt and Rob both personally and by no stretch of the imagination, do I think that they would do anything purposely and I, I in no way, shape or form mean this as a slight to anyone, but the infraction that we had on the whole calculation of the APR is such a complicated process that no offense. I don't think anyone could purposely calculate it wrong. It's not like we knew um, that we weren't meeting a score and then just letting those athletes play anyway. We were actually calculating it incorrectly. So we didn't, we didn't know that we were the wrong. It, it was like doing an equation and getting the wrong answer, but you think it's the right answer. Um, so there, there was no actual space to, um, even have it done purposely. Um, I just don't think that anyone could intentionally calculate that incorrectly. Um, it would take, it would take way more work to do it incorrectly than to do it correctly, obviously. Um, just my opinion. So no, we will never know if it was done intentionally, but by no stretch of the imagination, I think that anyone did anything intentionally. It was just complete oversight, um, work overload, not, not computing it correctly. Um, so we had another question from Carrie via Twitter, favorite drink while tailgating. Um, Carrie, we love you for giving us a very lighthearted question. Um, instead of all these hard hitting questions that we did need, but, um, kind of keep it casual, uh, favorite drink. Um, hmm. so I have several, that I'll kind of touch on. Uh, generally, my basic white girl go-to is a mimosa, which is what I'm drinking right now. Um, definitely for a more early afternoon or pre-noon tailgate, I would say mimosa. Um, I do love me in a mimosa. I will say that for sure. I agree. Yeah. My general well, go-to yeah. personally for me in like a beer drinking setting, because I don't like beer, is absolutely definitely cider. Um and I have a few brands that I like much more than others. And our friend Sean Kennedy kind of got us hooked on a new St. Arnold's uh, cider that's really good, nice and crisp. Um, yeah, that one was pretty good. Um, yeah, no, like I do, like if we, if it was like an early morning, definitely start off with at least like one mimosa. But um, whenever we were doing the tailgates at basketball, we were definitely rocking the, the seltzers. And so I think, for tailgating, 
man, those seltzers were hitting the spot. Like, I don't want to go like super hard at tailgate. Like I did like in college because I wouldn't make it to the game, you know, like we're 30 plus, like we can't be doing the hardcore stuff anymore because then we won't even make it to the game. And if we do make it to the game, we won't even remember the game. So <laughs> yeah, we can, it's the like classic, we can still party like a rock star, but we cannot recover like one. No, 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 no. I mean, case in point, I know obviously Corona's had kind of like a, but like I went to the brewery for the first time on, what was it? Thursday. And I think for- it was for, I don't, yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Friday at noon, Carrie and I went to the brewery speaking of Carrie and, uh, Man, we were, I sat there from noon to like five and I probably had, I probably overindulged and had like four or five of the craft beers. Um, and that was probably four or five too many to be fair, because (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I got home and I got, I got here and I sat down and like had some dinner and I just like sat on the couch and kind of just started like hardcore having a headache. And like, I was already starting to like recover, like getting a hangover. And I'm like, this is not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) it was rough it was rough and so I was like man I can't do that again I got too excited that the brewery was back open um and just went a little too far and so um definitely definitely for football tailgating hopefully cross fingers for fall stick with the seltzers and then I don't know yeah favorite drink for tailgating definitely for me like doesn't really matter what seltzer. No, I'll take the back. Like I really like the Bud Light ones. Um, there's a couple new brands out I want to try though before tailgate. There's one um, that Barstool's been advertising called High Noon. Um, they look really good, so I kind of want to try those and find those in town. I don't know where I can probably at the liquor store. Mm. I know it just sounds good. And like, they have like different flavors. So I want to kind of try those, but, um, but yeah, that's just, <laughs> no, that's, that's a great question. Thank you, Carrie, for making it light and fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So from there, we wanted to kind of round this out with talking about the, the core values and the definitions and kind of like the mantra of athlete, I've had too much whiskey. Of SFA athletics moving forward. So, and basically the culture change, what we mentioned earlier. So, I know that Ryan Ivy, kind of like one of the main things that he's talked about this entire time, um, and even before all this happened, was core values and living and breathing those and what they stand for. So what they did is they redefined the phrase that we use every day, which is axum, which I think this is extremely um, fun and unique. So first off is accountability. That's the A in axum, accountability, basically just being responsible and taking responsibility for everything. Uh, The next one is excellence, which is be the best. And that's the X in excellence. Next one is integrity. So the E in integrity, being true to yourself and just being true in general. The next one is innovative. So that's the E in axum at the very end of innovative, being different. And then, which I think is really important to note on innovation and being different, because I think that's one of the main like changes that 
this regime is kind of doing because like again we've been doing the same thing with the past administration for how many years like not really moving up as like a premier mid-major in the country and i think that that's one thing that they were you know that ryan's always kind of talked about was they want to be a the premier mid-major in this in the country like we want to be the mid-major that everyone talks about the beat the mid-major that everyone wants to come to, to games to and attend to like they want to be that school and shoot, so do I. So whatever we got to do to be innovative, let's go. Just no more uh, sanctions, please. And then teamwork. <laughs> the last one is teamwork. And that's the M and Axum, just being unified. And I think now more than ever is a great time to be unified and to, you know, and they've really kind of shown that recently um, with everything that they've been putting out from at the SFA athletics is just a unified front, a unified team. Um, so going back to that one question about fans are ready to support. What should we do? What can we do to be kind of there for our athletic department and be there for our um, student athletes and the teams? So there's, it's pretty easy. It's, it's pretty easy in order for you to help, regardless if you live in Nacogdoches or you live in Houston or Dallas, or you live in another country or another state. Um, But here's the thing. I'm going to break these down into four easy things you can do regardless of where you're at. And these are all again, kind of from Ryan Ivy. He's posted these, he posted these a long time ago. Um, The first one is being present. Many people don't understand what presence does for our student athletes and coaches. As a former student athlete myself, and again, this is coming from Ryan Ivy, direct quote, I can tell you that there is nothing more exhilarating than playing in front of the full crowd and nothing more disheartening than playing in front of an empty one. Our student athletes, coaches, and staff work hard to create an atmosphere you can enjoy. While we may not be able to win every contest we play, we continue to be competitive each and every time. Step onto every time we step onto the competitive surface. Having the SFA faithful behind them provides them with extra energy, motivation, and pride to achieve greatness. So the first thing you could do is be present. So that means anything from, you know, buying season tickets, which is number two, actually. But like, even if you don't live in the area and you can't come to every single game, you know, it's one thing where if you're financially able, buy season tickets and then you know, you can easily transfer those season tickets to people that can go to every game or that want to go to a game. Um, I have a friend, Corey. He was in the Navy for multiple years. Quick story. He told me this the other day. I didn't know this. He said that when he was still in the Navy, he lived in Italy and he bought season tickets every year for football, every year. And even though he couldn't use those season tickets, he gave them away to people every single time. That's just crazy. I know, right? Um, It's just little things like that. So even if you can't come to every game and can only maybe make a few of the football games or only make a few of the basketball games, that's fine. But number two, purchase season tickets. Season tickets continue to be an area of emphasis and necessity to help move forward. Season tickets are the most cost-effective measure of attending our ticketed games. If you can't attend every game, no worries. Simply give them to a friend or call the ticket office and donate them. And it's very simple. I mean, the new platform, the Pacquiolan platform they have for season tickets or even just everyday tickets. Like if you're just coming for the first day, um, Wally has been working so hard and his entire staff in that department 
to make the ticketing purchasing so easy and so simple. And now they've gone mobile. If you haven't noticed, they're recently just put this everywhere on the internet and on the website, or now that they're mobile and you can easily purchase tickets on the website and then you can send them to your phone. And that way you don't even have to have paper tickets, you know, save the planet and everything. La di da. (laughs) Um, And even myself, here's the thing. I don't have to buy season tickets. I'm not going to like, you know, pat myself on the back or toot any horns, but since I'm on the board for alumni, I don't have to purchase season tickets. Like I get general admission tickets for free. I don't have to buy them, but I do anyway. I do because I think that it's extremely important to help support the school and the athletics department regardless. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to buy those tickets, but I want to. Yeah. And we make very good use of making sure that our two, because we each, you know, get the two free tickets for being on the board. We make very good effort Ah. of making sure they get used by someone. Yes. Even if we stand outside and just hand them to someone walking up. I don't know how many times I've done that. We've done that. Like we went and turned in our tickets and like, as people were walking up and they're like, you know, Oh, are you looking for tickets? Do you need tickets? And you're just handing them off to people like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And here's another thing. Here's another thing that goes back to number one. And I'm sure Jacqueline can kind of jump in on this too, is that being present. I'm sorry. You can't say that our ticket prices are expensive when in comparison to other schools in Texas, Tickets to go to an athletic game are extremely outrageously priced. Ours are extremely not. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, to take yourself and your family to a basketball game or a football game sitting in general admission is probably way less than what it would cost to take your kids to like the movie for the yeah. night. You know what I mean? And so, 100%. And for yeah, students think. Yeah, and the students get in for free. No excuses. There's not. And another thing is, is the fact that, um, oh shit, I'm losing my train of thought. There's plenty of opportunities to get free tickets to go to a game. Like if you're, what is it, um, a, uh, not State Farm, but uh, Farmers, there's there's some incentive if you're a part of a specific... um, Isn't it like Farmer's Bureau or something? Something like that. Like then you get free tickets. Part of your, part of your plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So afford them, then uh, message us and we'll give you our plans. And you're like, you're like, I don't know how to go about purchasing season tickets. Like, how do I do this? Help, 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 help. Okay. Wally, Drew, they are all available even if they're not necessarily in their office because of COVID, but you can tweet them, you can email them. I've, I've been probably emailing Drew more than I've ever emailed anybody. And I apologize, Drew, because like I've always had, I'm just having questions about all the new stuff for football and everything. But like he's, they're so quick to email back and reply to you and give you the correct answer. I mean, they're so knowledgeable and helpful over there. And they're always just like, Anytime you have a question, just email us. Like, we don't care. Like, we'll answer anything you have. So, I mean, anytime you have questions about season tickets, talk to Wally, talk to Drew on social media. You can email them. You can call them. Whatever you need. Okay. Moving on. Number three, join the Purple Lights Fund. 
also known formally as the varsity club. Okay. If you were a past varsity club member, there is no more varsity club. It is now called Purple Lights Fund. Okay. The Purple Lights Fund provides the opportunity to provide the necessary resources and support for our student athletes, coaches, and staff. Any size gift makes an impact. For as little as $50, you can become a member of the Purple Lights Fund. You can also provide gifts in kind, such as goods and services, to help support SFA athletics. These gifts and in-kind gifts make a big impact for our department. So even, get this, even if you know you're like, I don't live in the state, I don't live in the same town, I can't make every game, so maybe I'll just join Purple Lights Fund, right? You get depending on what level you give, I mean, you get many perks with each level that you, that you donate. I mean, and you, at least you get like a flag to fly outside during sporting events. And then you get other things too. I mean, Tyler Boone is the dude for this. I mean, if you can't help out any other way, then just join Purple Lights Fun. If you can't be present all the time and you can't, financially just do season tickets all the time for every sport at least just join the purple lights fund even if it's at the most you know the least monetarily level the $50 mark at least at least do that i mean that is a huge help huge help you know i i can't can't talk about it enough honestly um, what's next? Show your SFA pride. Um, I'll go on a quick tangent on this one. Um, by purchasing wearing SFA apparel, you help us extend and grow exposure and awareness for SFA athletics and the institution. Being prideful of your support for SFA is critical to our ability to grow. And I will make this a very quick tangent because I could do a whole like thesis we and podcast. Whole, yeah, we could do a whole podcast on this. Um, but I'll just really quick make a point to some of the haters who want to hate on athletics and all that is, and this goes back to, I remember, I think whenever, I think this was when Ryan Ivy came and spoke to us, um, for the, one of our board meetings for the alumni association that he kind of talked about athletics being more of like the, the analogy that he made was that it was like the front porch to an institution and, doesn't mean that that's the most we're not by any means saying that athletics is the most important thing that a university has to offer but it is the it's it's what people see the most it's the front porch it's kind of like the curb appeal it's what gets the most publicity because let's be honest like are you seeing news constantly about different academic programs or conferences that people go to no but if a team makes it to the NCAA tournament. Is that all over the TV? Yes. So we're not we're down for Duke. Because yes. we're supporting athletics does not mean that we're saying it's more important than academics, or it does not mean that we're downplaying academics, but that is the easiest way to get more publicity for the university. So please, please, please just stop now with the hate rhetoric and narrative about if you support athletics that you don't care about academics because that is not truthful or accurate, but that is the easiest way to get publicity. So if we, if we do well in athletics and we get 
more notoriety. Some people probably haven't even heard of Stephen F. Austin, but now that we beat Duke, I promise you they've heard of us. Um, so then in support of that, if you'll wear your SFA stuff and show off your university, then when people look up SFA, guess what else they find out? That we have a wonderful nursing program. We have a great forestry program. We have a great hospitality program. Like, let me just keep the list going of all the wonderful academics that we have. But if you're not, if you're not supporting and showing that, then people will never know. Yeah. I mean, and let's just compare this. Yeah, no, I mean, but you're nail on the head there. Let's just compare this really fast to like another school. Like, for example, Alabama. Okay. I'm sorry, but I literally know nothing else about Alabama other than good old Alabama Crimson Tide football. Like, that's it. And I bet if I went and did like an interview with like 100 different Alabama students and I asked them, hi, what was your main reason for coming to Alabama? I could probably make the assumption that, I, you know, if I talked to 100 students that maybe, you know, 85 to 90% of them most likely would say, well, because I'm a fan of the football team. And then once they got there, obviously they, you know, saw that there's other things great about Alabama, the institution, programs, et cetera. Do you know what I mean? Like just exactly what you said, like a lot of the times students who go to schools, they're going because not only they see their program that they want to pursue there as a career, but also because there's other things to do, including athletics, including activities, including, you know, student life, you know, etc. So by just saying that athletics is the only thing that is important in making the decision, it's not, it's not a hundred percent the only thing, but it's a big chunk of it. Like if you're looking at a pie chart, it's like 90% of the pie chart. You know what I mean? Like at the beginning, I'm not gonna lie. When I first came here, it wasn't really about athletics at the moment. It was really about like, oh, they have a, you know, their, their campus is pretty. They have a nice um, nursing program. Cause that's what I was going to do at the time. And then, oh my God, they have all the sports I love. Perfect. Like, that was me personally, but I have talked to many students who um, are going to transfer to SFA because of their program and because of the sports. Like that is the reason why they're coming to the school. So, I mean, showing your pride is not just because of athletics, but also because of the institution in general, but just it's showing your pride for the school before for the SFA brand. And if the only shirt you have is an SFA basketball shirt or the only shirt you have is a SFA education, school of education shirt, perfect, great. But I guarantee you, if you go on a trip to another city or you go on a plane ride to another town or to another country, I guarantee you they're going to stop you and say, ooh, SFA basketball. They're not going to stop you and say, ooh, SFA teaching department. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I don't know how many times we got stopped when we were after our Duke win in the, in the airport and said like, yeah, y'all rock, you beat Duke or woo, or like, boo, like can't believe you beat my team. Like it was nothing about, Oh, SFA, they have a great forestry department. Even though we do, we have one of the best in the state and in the country, but like, that's just not the front porch. That's not the front porch. And that may suck for like, and I'm an academic, like I am a freaking professor at a school. I'm just going to tell you right now that 
the usual stand in front of the, the thing that stands out to everybody is the athletic department. That's just a fact, you know, like I could pull up, I could pull up stats and if you want me to, I can, but I'm just going to tell you right now that being an athletics, it is, that is the front porch of the university because that is the main thing most people see. You know, if we weren't an athletic team type school, like if we were a school that was mainly for like the arts, that would be our front porch. But we're, but we're not at the time. You know, when we first got founded, we were a, um, we were the teaching college. That was our front porch. People still, people recognize SFA as the teaching college. That's what it was when it first was founded. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so, and we have a rich history of a teaching college and that's fantastic. And I love that history, but we also have to recognize and realize that that may not necessarily be the case anymore. And you have to show, you know, support for the departments and institution that, you know, that it is. And at the moment it's, it's sports. That's just, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. (coughs) in conclusion of all of those things that we shared with you today, I think I think that's the best ending point to just kind of yeah. conclude everything is that you really just more so now than ever, you need to be supportive of SFA and, and what we're doing and where we're going and absolutely that, you know. Um I would like to add one more thing and then we'll end it is that I do know that Athletics is planning to honor and to continue to honor and recognize the teams and student athletes that had seasons and stats affected that they're not going to forget them. They're not going to just brush this under the rug and say that, Oh my God, this never happened. I mean, they're still going to recognize those students and those seasons that have been affected because it's, it's important. It's important to reiterate the fact that, yeah, they may not be in the stat book, they may not be flying the banner in the Coliseum or, you know, in the trophy case, but damn it, those wins still happened and those seasons still happened and those players and athletes that played still gave everything they could on the field, on the court, on the pitch. And so I think it's, you know, important to kind of remember that as well. So absolutely. So what we can ask for you guys now, again, is just to show your SFA pride to join the Purple Lights Fund, purchase season tickets, and just be present, be unified, be different, be true, be the best, be responsible, um, and just continue supporting us and supporting the institution. So hopefully this has helped a little bit. Maybe this will be your like cathartic release of all the upset feelings and anger you might have been having. Um like I said at the beginning, this was probably going to be our longest podcast to date, which I think is just really funny. Um, yeah, I was I was hoping that the Duke one would still be longer, but I think we broke that with this one. I, I think we broke it. Yeah. But uh, hopefully you guys have been with us since the very beginning. I know it was a long one, but we've tried to break it up as much as possible. But um, I really hope, I mean, this has helped us kind of get through it and get kind of over it and just moving on. So Hopefully this has helped you in some way. And uh, yes, it's summer. Yes, there's not much going on at the moment, but keep in touch. Keep following us on social media and on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook because we'll still be doing some podcasts um, during the summer. 
be looking out for our next quarantine podcast within the next few weeks uh, and kind of give us again, another update on what the heck we're doing with our lives um, and moving on through COVID, especially now that restrictions are lifting. Um, And then of course, once it gets closer to basketball season, our uh, state of the union, what's going on with SFA basketball will be a uh, highlight of the end of the summer for sure going into fall. So yeah. Yeah. And then if all fingers crossed football, let's go baby. Coach Carthel. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love it. Love that guy. All right. So from, from me and Jacqueline, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. And as always, Axe and Jacks. With Alex and Jacks.